Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hey everybody, Aaron Noonan here. Great to have you with me on another edition of the V8 Sleuth Podcast, powered by Repco. It's our first show of 2022, so let's get straight into it. And my first guest is a guy that I've known for a long time now. I first saw him race on the high banks at the Calder Park Thunderdome. He's been a constant in supercars, uh, in Super 2 as it's now known, but he was there when the Konica V8 Light Series started. Terry Wyhoon has an amazing motorsport story. He's been there, he's done it all, and now he's helping bring through the young crop of racers. We had so much of a chat recently that we had to split it into two parts. So on this first part, we really focus in a lot on the Thunderdome, those years of racing Oscar Commodores and NASCARs, we talk about how he had the only Australian-built Ford Thunderbird NASCAR. It was built from scratch here in Australia. Pretty cool story. Also a cool story was the time he got stitched up by Jim Richards at Bathurst. I'll let Terry tell that one. And also the funny story behind his first Oscar race win that, let's say, just didn't quite follow the script. That's probably the best way to put it. So here we go. Buckle up. It's time to start for 2022. Part one of Terry Wyhoon on the V8 Sleuth podcast, powered by Repco. Terry Wyhoon, it is nice to come for a drive. I've never been to Corumburra before, but now I have. This is a nice part of the world. It is a nice part of the world, Aaron. Um, been down here for a few years now. We won't mention my last birthday a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> um, yeah, you have been threatening to come down a I few have. times, but yeah, it's... Um, been down here all my life, built the race shop down here and um, quite enjoy it. I've seen, I think of you every time I've driven to Phillip Island because if, for those of our listeners who don't know where uh, Corrinburra is, it is on the way if you're driving from Melbourne to Phillip Island to go to the track or to go see the Penguins, there is a sign. There's a turn off to Corrinburra on the way and I've never taken the turn off until today and I've come here to the home of Image Racing. We're sitting upstairs here in this uh, purpose-built workshop that you put together about I think seven or eight years ago you've you've been in here where you Correct. run your your Super 2 cars and your Super 3 cars and some um, restorations and you've got a bit of stuff going on here, there and everywhere. But it's not just the only – the one we're sitting in, the race team where the cars are prepared, you've got the joint next door too that's actually a mechanical workshop business, T&G Mechanical Repairs. We'll give it a plug. Uh, a good so plug, yeah. I've, heard, I've read this – and you've said this to me before, it's the other building that makes the money and it's this one that spends it. Is that about right? Yeah, that's the way it goes, mate. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you've been around this game long enough to know how it works. <laughs> it's a rep of little workshops, been going over 30 years now. Started it with a mate, Jeff, that's the G of He's the, the G and you're the T. Correct. Yeah. Um, and had my little uh, race car in the corner, a speedway car to start with, in there next door, and then we built a little tin shed on this block of land here and then... Luckily, luckily enough, my wife, Dana's father, Tom's a builder. He said, we'll build a new race shop. And I said, well, if we're building one, we're staying here. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. people will come. Yeah. <laughs> build them and they'll come. <laughs> so um, it's worked out well. I mean, yeah, I'm not a city person, but, yeah, it's been good. Uh, you've had such an amazingly long, and you know when you're done yet, by the way, um, connection to motorsport, speedway, super speedway with the Oscar NASCAR, which a lot of our listeners love to hear about that. We'll talk about that. Uh, obviously the V8 supercar stuff, Super 2 these days and and Super 3, Kumo V8, you've had a dabble in TCM, there's been a bit of everything along the way. Is this a sickness motorsport? And, and did you get it at an early age? Whose fault is all of this? Um, I'm not sure whose fault it is. My both brothers raced a little bit of um, motorbikes. They were on the uh, outfits, um, what do you call it, motocross. It used to be called scrambles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was always interested in it. A fella down the road from where I live with me, mum and dad, had a speedway car, so I'd be down there after school working with him, you know. So I guess, you know, that that's where it started. Um, so we built, you know, a little dirt car to go out to the local track here in Iora and, and get stuck into it. But, yeah, it, I guess it is 
I don't know whether it's in the blood. It is a drug. There's no mm. doubt about it. I tell people a shot in the arm for me is when the, the kids, I call it now, in what we do today, have a result. That's the, the hit for me. I'm happy. Mm. You know, I don't have to smoke. I don't have to do drugs to get that kick. Um, this is what we do. Yeah. We spend money on bloody race cars. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of race cars, am I right in saying that the first your first race car was a Speedway car was it an old Holden that I think I read somewhere that your mum lent you nine hundred bucks to buy a speedway car? What was it? Where'd you get it from? What was the what was the story? Well, you're spot on. It was nine hundred dollars. I didn't have nine hundred dollars. You would have thought they could round it up to a thousand, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it was nine hundred. It was a it was a homemade built what they called an A grade hot rod at the time. Two bits of, you know, chassis rail with a Holden six cylinder in it, triple carbies. Ooh. Um, an old banjo diff. Uh, you ran it on winter tread tires. We used to go to go to the car and borrow a tip and get all the tires we could off anything that was dumped down there. And that was good enough to go race with. Well, it was. It was all you could afford. That's, we're either putting them on or we're not going. So we got an IRA with the old winter tread tires. I get my brothers. I didn't have my license at the time. Um, towed out there for me and see how many laps I could do without crashing it. <laughs> And it so, wasn't many for us. I was going to say, so you crashed it a bit then. <laughs> plenty, of, plenty of crashes. And so Nyora is the, the local track, but did you go and do some stuff elsewhere or did you just stay in your, in your, in your local area? Yeah, once I, once I started winning some races at And this Nyora, is what, how old are you, what, teenager? Yes, I, was, yes. I started at 17, which back then actually was quite young. <laughs> you know, like it's not like today where you're getting these go-kart kids of 14 and 15 in – Super three now, mm. or pushing the gallon. I feel super, old. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was seventeen, and then um, once I got my license, yeah, I headed to the Big Smoke. I went down to, well, it was, what was it called, the Melbourne Speed Bowl? Out, oh yeah, out at Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I went down there to show those guys what it was all about. Yeah, and go for you. Uh, not real good. <laughs> 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 there were some experienced dirt trackers down there that um, it was Fandingham racing every Saturday night. Bit of a ball ring and, yeah, they knocked you from pillar to post. But, <laughs> hey, you know, like it, I learned a lot down there, you know, like how to be a little bit more aggressive and, um, yeah, went on to run it all, of, you know, because Speedway, Dirt Speedway back then at Warnable, Ballarat, Redline. Redline, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm Redline. a Ballarat boy, so yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I used Redline, it was on once a month on a Sunday, I think it was, and, we used to go there all the time. To so rush how, are you, how are you funding this? Is it you got a day job to keep you going here, or mum and dad helping out, or how's this? No, mum and dad never had any money. All my <laughs> wages from me, I started my apprenticeship when I was fifteen, and I just bought an old car and a trailer and this thing for nine hundred bucks, and we went racing. <laughs> and my mates, if they could find another engine for us next week that had more go, well, we'd put it in during the week and go and have a crack at it. So, and it, it's yours is not an uncommon story. It's Find a way, any way, to get in in any thing, mm. whether it's this old speedway mm. car or a, an autocross car in a car club or a low-level bunch of mates. And when I say low-level, I don't mean like professional, but just a bunch of amateurs having a bit of fun and yep. no real game plan, just we love going car racing, let's go car racing. That's what it was like, mate. Um, you know, you buy them a beer on the way home and a pie and they were happy. And that's and their salary. That's their salary, 100%. Oh, well, they had to work all week for that too yeah. after work, put the bloody thing back together, of course. But no, and you did, you touched on something there that's so important and I still say to young kids today, you know, I talk to them and they go, yeah, but we haven't got that sort of money. And I go, well, make it happen. Find a way. Find a way, mate, you mm. know. And I know it's different, you know, budgets of Super 2 and stuff these days. It's mm. getting, you know, up there, of course, but... If they really want it, you know, we've had some good kids and I've still got one today that is a motor mechanic, mm. you know. He probably gets seven, $800 a week working for his dad and he still makes it happen, mm. knocks on doors and gets it done. If you want it bad enough, you'll find a way. Absolutely. It is hard these yeah. days in the modern world of <clears throat> commercial and, yeah, the, the numbers yep. for Super 2 or for Carrera Cup or whatever it is that yep. you're going to go and do are, are pretty pretty scary sometimes. But, yep. you know, we see some drivers who year in, year out, they find a way. So there's definitely a pathway to do it because there's people doing it. Yes. Not everyone can or has the no. the wherewithal to no. be able to talk the right talk or meet the right people. But Oh, I'm one that's, of them myself. Yeah, that's just the, mm. the nature of, of how it all rolls. So, sure. so we go speedway racing as a teenager 
are we winning stuff or are we just there to have fun or are we actually thinking that I'm going to keep doing this as my thing? It was great fun. Oh, I loved it. And what we used to win was three, two and one at Naira. Mm. So if you won the whole three races for the day, you came home with nine bucks. Nine bucks? <clears throat> what so, was the entry fee? Oh, geez, I can't remember. Less, what the, more? The entry fee would have been more than that because yeah. I... <laughs> <laughs> I used to put a little bit aside so that if we won the nine bucks, I'd add a little bit to it and we'd call into the local Chinese on the way home and I'd shout the mates. Oh, big spender. Chinese and maybe <laughs> half a dozen beers. <laughs> so there was ne- never anything financial in it, but, geez, we got a lot, of, a lot of satisfaction out of ripping something apart at the tip, putting it together and going down there and winning a race on Sunday. Turning so. junk in a race wins. Yeah. that's what, And it's really, yeah, a little bit different, but it's not different, if that makes sense. Mm, mm. Yeah. Find a way. Find a way. It's sort of the theme mm. of this whole podcast so far, isn't it? But Yeah. So the Speedway <clears throat> stuff is fun and you learn a lot and you go and race. Did you go outside Victoria or did you just yeah. stay here? Yeah. Yeah, so we went to – they had Australian titles and they were all over the place. I think I raced at Canberra, Newcastle, um, Parramatta. You know, yeah, we did go outside mm. of Victoria. Um, Parramatta was a big one, you know. They always had the super modifieds there, a lot, a lot down at Warnable. Big um, track premier. That's uh, yeah, that's a great place. I haven't been there for a long time, but we used to race against the super rods there in what we had. Which what was, was your category? What was it called? A grade hot rods. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So a little bit different to the super rods, and then we had the problem where we might go interstate or to Warnable, and they're running the other direction. Oh yeah. <laughs> We used to always go clockwise at Speed Bowl or Brooklyn and then you'd go somewhere else and they're running anti-clockwise. So, yeah. And the setup was put the big wheel on the outside and that was it. That's like, it. Just depends on which way you go and swap the wheels. Correct. So, like, <laughs> there was no change in springs or anything back then because we had a semi-electric leaf springs and everything. Nothing was really, you know, it yeah. wasn't set up to go a particular way other than there was a bigger wheel on the outside than the inside. So, yeah. High tech. High no, tech. No laptops back in those days, that's for sure. Uh, no. No. No one knew what a laptop was. Where did the connection to the super speedway stuff come? Because, of course, Bob Jane builds the Thunderdome. It opens uh, late 87, bit of touring car stuff on the combined track. Yep. The first NASCAR race is 88. Some Americans come out, some local stars. Uh, you know, he brings this thing mm. that he saw with Billy's brother in the 60s in Charlotte, always wanted to get it here, got it here. Did you go to the first one? Did you see all that and think, this is my next step, I've got to get among this? So I called in there one day, Noons, on my way to Warnable with my Speedway car on the back behind me old CF Bedford van. I've got photos of it parked in the middle of this, what they call Thunderdome, to have a look at it. And there was a lot of hype about it, you know, TV and whatnot. Um, you know, and I, just, I can clearly remember standing in the middle going, wow, this looks impressive, you know, mm. like no dirt getting flicked in your eyes tonight. <laughs> no second-hand tyres going on out there. Yeah, and I'm thinking, well, no, there was actually. Oh, there's probably we'll a bit of that, that going on. Okay, there's another but, story. Um, I thought, it, this looks impressive, you know. We'll we'll look into what an Oscar, Oscar and NASCAR were the only two to start with before they went to Sportsman and HQs and things, but... I said, well, I said to me, mates, we'll have a look and see how much one of these Oscars is going to be. But they don't look like they're expensive. They only look like a Speedway car. And um, that's where the interest started with the Super Speedway. Um, You say about Bob, you know, and Bill, even back then, as much as now I've been to America nine times or something watching NASCAR and being involved with teams and stuff over there, I must admit when I first went to Thunderdome, I didn't know anything about Richard Petty, mm. Neil Bonnet, all the people that came out. Um, you were totally fresh to it. You totally fresh to it. it. You didn't know I didn't follow it, no. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people um, did back then, to be honest. You know, I think Bob was a little bit ahead of his, himself in what he experienced, if that makes sense. Mm. You know, him and Bill, like you say, went over to America a lot and brought all that back here, but whether Australia was ready for it right then. But, um, yeah, it was it was new to me. I liked the concept. And, uh, yeah, we decided to get rid of the dirt car. So has this been the same dirt car the whole way through? Or did you, oh, you no, there was, there was three or four dirt cars we built. And, 
you know what it was like though. If you wanted to put a new front end in, you didn't buy a new car. You just gas axed it off <laughs> and weld some new bits on it. And we put made coil over springs. And, and today your new car is here because it looks new. It, correct. Well, parts of it are. Yeah. And then, you know, torsion bars came in and we Ooh. had to have torsion bars. So we cut it up and made a torsion bar car. And John Sydney at one stage then, you know, gave us a hand with an old spring car chassis to sort of blend it in. And so, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a good, I think I did dirt speedway for about 10 years, nine or 10 years. And, you know, there was people that I met through there, like John Sydney and Mike XL and that helped me then, you know, um, a lot of fun. Yeah, so a few concepts there before we went to Oscar. So where I have these memories and I've got some photos at work of a yellow, pink, green, multicoloured Commodore. That was the first Oscar. I think it was a VK, I think maybe, a VLVK. No, our first one was a VK but it was just iridescent green. Oh, well, Brad Jones had a green one when he started Yeah, too, there you but go. he got rid of it after one round and yeah. painted it red. Right. But you, well, you wanted to stand out from the crowd. I wanted to stand out. Makes sense. So we, listening to um, Bob Jane and all the people that worked for him at the time, you know, we used to say, you know, what's this go with TV? And I got to know Mike Raymond mm. and I'd say, you know, how do you get on TV? You know, because I'm trying to get some sponsorship here and, you know, well, you've got to be seen. You can't just turn up in some plain old white Commodore that looks like a piece of shit. Mm. So we painted iridescent green and we'd go, right, we'll be on TV. Check this out. Yeah. So that's how that started. And then the other one you're referring to, the three-coloured one, you know, that we went on, yeah, we got plenty of TV, although the back of it was an iridescent pink that <laughs> apparently, according to the Channel 7 people at the time, said it used to flare or something. Oh, on the camera. On yeah. the camera. So they had to bloody go off it and I'm going, oh, Christ, you can't win here. You get the attention and then they jump off it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Back in those days, I guess the, the common theme for the Thunderdome era that the attraction, and I've spoken to plenty of guys about this, the prize money yes. was, was the thing that you could legitimately run a racing program on, topped up with a bit of sponsorship and a bit of help along the way. Was that the thing that tipped it towards oh. the favour where you went, we can do this? Look, I loved driving around that place. It was awesome first. And then, you know, when we started getting some prize money, it was, you know. Not $9. Not $9. <laughs> and the most I ever won on a dirt speedway race at Warnable was $400. Wow. You know, which was a good night. And, but what would you get to just qualify for an Oscar race? Uh, 1500 Before you even started? Before you started. And what would you get if you won? 8000 <laughs> There's plenty of Chinese for the crew on the way over there. It was eight eight thousand for Oscar, and I think ten or twelve for a NASCAR race win on an ordinary night. Just a Joe Blow round, not one of the, the big Christmas meetings not with the, the Americans no, or the correct. Gold Coast mm -hmm. Indy or some of the other marquee yep. things. Yep. Yeah. So in in the end, we structured it not by being smart or anything, but it was just structured that if we could go. Say so there was 35, 40 Oscars when we first started. Which happened. Yeah, that was a plenty of time. Thing, yeah. yeah. If you could run somewhere in that 15 to 20, which we could when we started, you'd get your $1,500 for qualifying and then the prize money, you know, you'd come home with another 1500 in prize money, worst scenario, pick up a little bit of sponsorship, started to work on the getting the TV attention. You know, we're going... Jeez, what are we going to do with this bloody money? We'll build a, <laughs> put it into a better engine and, and so on and so on. So, you know, we've eventually that's the way we sort of made a path to get up towards the front. What did you think when you first drove around that place? Was it, was it imposing? Oh, couldn't believe it. First day I drove there, there was a girl there called Terry Sawyer. I wanted to talk to you about her, yeah. Running around and I'm watching it and I said to the boys, well, this can't be that hard because look at the bank. Like, we're going to have heaps of grip. I know the tyres look pretty shit, but let's give it a crack. And they said, well, we've walked down here and we reckon she's backing off at about that, you know, Goodyear sign there on the wall. And I go, yep, cool. Well, I'll just go a little bit past that. And uh, after we rebuilt that car, <laughs> <laughs> I realised there was a little bit in setup on this thing. It wasn't just driving around the... A banked oval. It didn't just stick. No, it didn't just stick. Because yeah. they weren't 
Oscars weren't slicks, were they? They were a, a Goodyear um, grooved yeah. eagle tyre. Yeah. yeah, not grooved, just a road radial, mm. 225, 65, 15-inch road radial. That's your memory. And you'd buff them down. <laughs> yep. And that was it. Yeah. Like a pretty small tyre for everyone that would be listening today. You look out, at, out on your road car mm. and you're talking 235, 18s and 20s. and mm. yeah, It's not much rubber keeping you on the road. They were very small. Yeah. And yeah. um, and you'd be running around there in one of these Oscars doing 250 on the straights. Poof. Yeah, with seven degrees negative camber on the left front and say like one and a half, two degrees positive on the right front and just hoping like hell they wouldn't pop. And remember that the Oscars and NASCAR, same thing you talked about, speedway, go Direction. opposite way. So <clears throat> the Oscars yep. are going clockwise, clockwise and the yep. NASCARs are going anti-clockwise, which obviously you, you did a bit of NASCAR later on in the piece. But yep. did it take your time to actually get your head around it? Because a lot of people came from circuit racing. A lot of production car people came because their cars, their Commodores were proddy cars that they turned into an Oscar. The prize money grabbed a lot of people. A few big names came in from touring cars. Suddenly there's a 30 to 40 car field. And I reckon a lot of people thought this will be easy, just go round and round. And then they all went, holy heck, this yep. is a whole other world. Mm. Were you in that? Clearly you talked about that, yeah. that story, the, the first uh, the first run there. But did it take you a while to feel comfortable around there? Look, you know what, Aaron? It, um, coming from dirt speedway, you know, to make a car go around in circles was kind of what we used to work on with our dirt cars, you know, how you put wedge in them and cross weight and all that. And it wasn't that um, new to us to set a car up. Once we realised that it was no different other than it was bitumen, which some of the dirt tracks turned to, mm. and there was a um, 23, 24-degree banking on each end, really it was a big speedway track. Mm. And if the car started sliding all the time, we knew what to do to fix it. So back then before I had scales and things, you know, you used to weld a pin under the centre of the diff and jack it up and see how much the chassis is tilting and <laughs> do what you can, put some spaces under a spring or whatever. And we just got going. And guys like Peter Fitzgerald and, you know, uh, Greg Hansford was there in early days, all those guys you're referring to that used to race um, circuit racing, they had no idea about the black art of going mm, around sh- in circles. Don't tell them anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were lucky in that way. You know, we, and I end up fortunate enough meeting a lot of these people, Peter Fitzgeralds and Greg we did a weekend with, showing them how to um, put bite in a car mm. and it was good work, cool working with them, mm. you know, these names that you used to watch on TV. Yeah. Um, you know, Brox and Larry was out there one meeting. and <laughs> Until Christopher Dean crashed oh, the that's car right. and he didn't he, get to race it. Yeah. yeah, he thought he was on skates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, no, I was fortunate enough to to be able to do what we did out there with, you know, a little bit of dirt knowledge. Yeah. And, and this, these Oscars <clears throat> are being run from the workshop next door here? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're prepping it in the corner at work in between servicing other cars and doing other work yeah. during the week? absolutely. Mm. That's how we started. And then, yeah, like I said, we built this little tin shed here um, first before the new factory and, yeah, we just do it after hours. Mm. But I had some, re- you know, really good guys that they weren't just coming along because they were mates. They were really keen on it, mm. you know, and we made it work. Mm. One of the one of the main guys that used to help me back then, his son is on our Super 2 team right now. <laughs> carried so, through. Carried through, yeah. 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 When so. did you realise what was the thing that got you? I mean, you won the championship later on in the 95-96 season, the BP Car Care Commodore, which... I think there are model cars of that around somewhere that BP might have made over the years. But rewinding back, so you start pretty early in the Thunderdome era when it's up and rolling, what, 89, I think 89. the first one was? Yep. So you've you've gone through a couple of cars along the way. You've, you've worked your way forward. You're learning what you're learning. When do you go, right, we can contend here. We could run with Brad Jones and we can run with Steve Harrington and, you know, some of those guys who were winning races and running at the front. When did you go? We're the real deal here. We're not just here making up the numbers. I think a couple of years before we actually won, but it used to frustrate the shit out of me because we always could had speed on them. Like, you know, Brad and I talked about this just a few months back. I was up in Aubrey 
and I went around and chewed the fat one night with him and had a beer and, you know, it's funny, you know, Brad said to me, what's the fastest time you ever did around the Thunderdome? And I he said, remembered to the four decimal point, wouldn't he? Well, I said 30.5 and he goes, you didn't do a 30.5? And I said, yes, I did. And he goes, shit. And I said, and you never did. I can tell you now. And he goes, you're right. But he won a lot more championships. Five championships yeah. and a truckload of races. Him with Kim there and everything he, you know, the people he had around him and the infrastructure and the knowledge outdid what we could do coming down from the bush here mm. and show, you know, even if we were half a second a lap faster, for some reason, I don't know, we burnt the tyres off, our pit stops were slower, whatever. There was just a hundred things that we didn't get right to, to, to be able to challenge him with that five championships. Mm. But we knew we always had speed. We just had to refine our raw speed and get it in, you know, turn it into something. Do you remember your first podium, first pole, first Oscar win? You know what? Not really. Because when you race at the same – this is an interesting thing I want to talk to you about. When you race at the same track for the guts of a season over summer, so the fun that I would host – most of the rounds, yeah. There's a Gold Coast up at Indy in Adelaide. the early '90s. Adelaide International Raceway on the Bullring over there. Yeah. Um, Oran Park cut sort of came on the scene there under lights for a little while. There was an Eastern Creek mm. um, Thunder at the Creek, I think it was called in the '93, right. I think from memory. So the, you know, it wasn't just Thunderdome, but it was mainly the Thunderdome. So yeah, the races all blur kind of into one as to which was which where because the cars were generally the same. Colours and numbers and stuff, but was that the December meeting or the February meeting or the? Uh, they do. I'm, they, I'm not surprised you don't remember which is which. They did blend in, and like I, even to this day, I say to the, to our drivers now, championships take care of themselves. Mm. Don't go bogging yourself down thinking about how many points you're going to get this weekend or how many you could lose this weekend. Forget it. Mm. Just go out there and do your best every time you hit the track, and it'll take care of itself. Mm. So I was never interested in championships i didn't think about anything other than what we can do to make the car better and try and win this particular race you know mm. and yeah i remember probably the first pole position in a vn and Is this thought, the, the pig bottomed car yeah, yeah and i thought okay we're fast mm. box now ticked. box tick what have we got to do now Okay. We go fast like 115 so, times. Yeah, we've got to do that 115 times. And in the meantime, boys, when I come in, can you put some of those fresh round black things on? <laughs> Real fast. Real fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, so we we started doing pit stop practice and things like that, you know, eventually and, you know, became outright contenders through having that whole whole box of things correct, you know. So. And did you do all that by you, you ran your own cars, you obviously you're driving it, but you're running it, you got some mates who are on the crew and helping. Did you get any outside help or was this Terry Wyhoon's team all the way through that you did it your own way? You didn't go and do talk to another team and pal up with them and go testing together and swap notes or buy bits in from other people. This was this was your car, your team, and you guys developed it, created it and did it. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. We had engines built outside, you know, with Mike Exel, Les Small, um, because I wasn't building engines. Originally we were doing our own engines, but they weren't good enough. Mm. So we sourced the best engines we could find thanks to Bob's prize money mm. and just kept on tipping what we could in to keep competitive. And probably the engines was the only thing um, we got – hooked up with King Springs and developed a spring package um, for the Thunderdome because it was so rough. Mm. So we made a progressive spring package with their help, developed it, helped our car immensely, and then we sold it to pretty much the rest of the field. So that was you said like any, Roland Day. any advantage gone out the window. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I should, yes, I should have kept on that. Yeah, good theory. Yeah. Seemed to work. Seemed Actually, to work. I don't know whether Mark King ever actually paid me any royalties. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that's your chat to have, not ours. <laughs> Nothing like a controversy on the pod, that's for sure. Um, we talked but, about Brad being the, the king of key law, Harrington. Um, Fitzy was out there having a run and running pretty well when he went there. 
Grant Monday is another guy yeah. that springs to mind. Who was your – did you have a main adversary in Thunderdome land who you always tended to have a blue with or a, did you have any run-ins out there back in the day? Because there was clearly a few in the pit and paddock area back in the colder late 80s, early to mid-90s when that stuff was going on. Yeah, there was. Um, like Faulkner I felt was the most one of the most aggressive to run with and he had a very similar driving style to mine. Like we'd run together – knocking door handles off until our tyres were gone and then Brad had just put past us. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's listening. Um, you know, uh, but always a fair driver. Racing with Brad, racing with Marshall Brewer mm. was really good. What um, does the J stand for in Marshall Brewer? Because he wheeled that out when he went Oscar Marshall J Brewer, yeah, I don't know. It's one of the great questions I need to learn. Mm. Yeah, good point. Mm. Um, haven't talked to him for a while. I think mm. he's just retired down at Lakes Entrance now. Wow, I might have to go visit. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, he was he was great to race with Marshall. End up doing a lot of work with him, you know, with the fast track mm. thing. Um, Harrington, he was another fast guy, good good to drive with. Um, Jr. Of course, yeah, um, the master of everything. He's the master of everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, had a run in with him though in NASCAR with Jim. Oh, do tell. <laughs> yeah. He only because early days of NASCAR, not understanding the arrow, he parked it down the inside of me, took the air off the back of the car. I thought he'd click me. And of course my car ended up in the wall. So I had a discussion discussion, if you like. Argument. Yeah. One way discussion. To- yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then later on I realised what had actually happened. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, few ups and downs with Max Dumsney there. Good, great driver though, good to race with. But you're right, it was on. Mm. It was, uh, and, and the, I mean, I mean, we'll talk NASCAR in a minute yep. because you, you ended up in there in a regular race winner and front runner. But the Oscar, I think Oscar was the biggest success. NASCAR was the bannerhead thing that the Americans came and local cars and stars and yeah. unless it had the Americans, the fields dropped away in that early period, but Oscar went the other way. Yes. Because they were cheap to build and run. Um, you had all these people who went touring car, Sierras, oh, too hard. Mm. I can get telly and sponsorship and prize money at Bob's thing. The racing's interesting and close and it's a great – it's sure. it's a colis- – I drive past it now going to Bendigo and it just makes oh. me sad to look at – what it's become, and I remember having so many great nights there with big crowds. It is the perfect um, – we talk about people in 2021 and 2022, which I've got to remember we're in 22 now, having attention spans that are short. They're T20 cricket, not test match. They're mm. sprint mm. race, not Bathurst 1000. Look, yep. the Bannerhead stuff <clears> will <throat> always be special and important like test cricket, the Ashes or sure. the Bathurst 1000 or, or yep. the Sydney to Hobart yacht race, not the quick short little one or whatever. But it's perfect. I can't help but feel that that product, four or five hours of a night time, get there at sort of six o'clock on a Saturday, lights on, sun goes down, constant racing, some going that way, some going the other way, a few shunts, um, bit of noise, bit of, you know, it's Coliseum. Oh, it's made for the modern current sports consumer and for Mm -hmm. TV. Easy to cover, really. Like, given Absolutely. that you know, it's not a big, mm-hmm. long, huge track. Mm-hmm. I just think of the oh, way you describe that, though, is like I was going to, you know, and I do say to people, it, it seemed to me that it was a little bit ahead of its time. I've said that to some people, too. And yeah. Brad, particularly, is a guy, he, he sort of almost said, like, well, it's, no, it was kind of, no, actually, it was Jim. I spoke to Jim. It's sort of right for its time. But I can't help but feel if you transpose what it could be now. Absolutely. It would be interesting to know, but mm. um, I guess it's one of those what ifs. What ifs, could, yeah. shoulds. And but what was your – I was going to say when we were talking about the Oscars, so you you go out there the first time and you go, oh, yeah, that, I'll go to the Goodyear sign, fence. Yeah. Uh, what was your biggest shunt out there? Because there were some guys who had some big ones and were lucky to not get hurt. Yeah. I wrote two – I wrote three cars off. Ooh. A VK, a VN, and uh, another one, another VN, I think it was, yeah. Um, the biggest one's probably blowing the left front tyre, probably about start-finish line mm. because that tri-oval wasn't the front straight. No. You know, it was a, that 
curvature in the track and I blew the tyre about the start-finish line and went straight into the wall before turn one. That was a hard hit. Um, I remember Bob Jane sending me to his chiropractor in Sunbury where he lived or where he used to visit to get a couple of inches pulled in one <laughs> side on and it put me on the Bit flat rack. Rail work. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's the trouble, wasn't it? I mean, that wall just did not bloody move. A mm. um, couple of times, yeah, knocked, knocked out cold and woke up in that medical centre down the end there. But, yes, um, the NASCAR walls are a little bit different today in America. Mm. But, Thankfully. But, oh, you did some damage and, yeah, my neck's never been the same since. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Mm. I mean, you know, 200-something <clears throat> k's an hour concrete wall. Yep. Yep. Yeah, the body's not sort of built. And this is before the days of wraparound seats, hands devices, all that stuff, which, you know, you look back at it now and think, what were we thinking? Oh. You didn't know any different. No, no one knew any different. I, early days there you could go on a 20-litre drum sitting on, I think, and tie yourself in. No one really cared <laughs> as long as you put on a show. <laughs> so. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online. Thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. Do you remember your first win in Oscar? Uh, yes, I do. When was that? Channel 7 had a... Um a short race, a twenty lap race or something on Sports World. Sat on the at, at an event on the Saturday morning or Sunday morning of the big race, like yep. it was like some a preliminary special, sort of thing. Yes, yes, and it's quite funny because um, everyone was in it, but I don't know how they started, but like as in positions, but. We went about this race and I remember passing Brad Jones on the last lap and winning this thing that was the Channel 7 live-to-air race. And I got me ass chewed because Brad was supposed to win it. What do you mean? It was orchestrated for Cooper Tools or something at the time. It was the only reason why that was on because they were a sponsor. Yes. He's, well, they were his sponsor, but were they sponsoring the race or something as well? Well, I'm looking at the guy. I'm going, what are you talking about? <laughs> you shouldn't have passed him. I thought it was a race. <laughs> and it there was, was a green flag. There was a chicken flag. We went round and yeah. round. It's a race. Yeah. And I, I was, yeah, I, I'll never forget that. I'm thinking, so did I win or not? <laughs> so do we do we officially count that? Was it ever shown? It was live oh, on oh, TV. Yeah, it was live. It was live, yeah. So well, you I mean, stuffed it for him, didn't you? Yeah. And they go, no, that wasn't. Weren't you in that little discussion about it being orchestrated? And I said, no. And apparently I think what had happened, there was Brad and maybe Jim and Faulkner and all that, and they said, right, you know, we're going to do a bit of a show. You pass me, I pass you. But they forgot there was a couple of other blokes that just around fourth and fifth at the time that had a bit of speed as well. <laughs> so, Memo didn't get to you. No, it didn't. I got my ass chewed over that. But um, oh, Makes it a memorable first win then. Yeah, it does. But the, one of the best ones was that uh, when we went to the road course, you know, and did that Peter Brock classic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think. It was Jim Richards came out and he said to me, he gave me a hand on tips on how to do road course stuff. Because at that stage I remember that that was where you were because the road courses came into it more and more Yeah, and that was the area probably you were weaker. You were good at the dome but the road courses wasn't your forte because you didn't grow up circuit racing. No, I'd never heeled and towed and I didn't left know. And right, and left and right and all this shit, yeah. And Jim gave me a hand out there running on the short circuit mm. and um, we did really well on that Peter Brock. Classic night one won it. Yeah, won yeah. the two two races, which surprised me because I'm thinking we haven't done a one hundred lapper over on the next door yet, mm. where I thought we what we wanted to do, and we come and do this um, what I referred to as like a ballet dance compared with rock and roll over there, <laughs> and we win the bloody road course, you know. Yeah, um, and Brock was in the race. Brock too, was remember? in the race. Yeah, the TAC Peter Brock Classic. It was a Saturday. Night event it was on Channel Nine, um, yep. and it was in. It was kind of like a Brock testimonial. <laughs> he mm. won it in the V8s for HRT with the. They had the um, the wheel nuts glued to the uh, to the wheels oh, for yes. the compulsory pit stop. So yep. HRT blokes brained him in the pit stop, and he won the thing overall. And 
I think the rest of them blued about it. But but the Oscar Championship was a support category. That's right. And he drove Faulkner's second better electrical car. And yep. that's your championship winning year. Mm. So 95, 96 was the year that you won it yep. in the BP car care car. Yes. Hard to say fast. So that's even more satisfying that not only do you win the championship, you get you know a win on the, a road course, which is not your forte. Yes. You beat Brock, which is always nice to say that you've done that in a race. Mm. What a great year. What, mm. what a perfect way to win a championship. But it, it, the fact that it wasn't a Thunderdome win first, yeah. is it still – I can see you. You're sort of going, oh, it still irks me. Yeah, I would have liked to have won on – and particularly in that year or that um, championship winning year, it would have been nice to win one of the 120 lappers, 110 lapper on the oval. Mm. But anyhow, I mean, we were strong. That year we ran at Oran Park as well. You know, I think we finished third there and maybe third at Adelaide or something, you know, so – um, yeah, that was, yeah, not thinking about championships, as I said before, or accumulated of all those points and had a good year. Hmm. Looking back on the photos of all of that, the number 25 was your number in Oscar, NASCAR. Was that your Speedway number? What no. was the thing with 25? It's just what was available what when was you locked? What was available at the time. And you yeah. just stuck with it. My, speed, my first race number was 11 and then I went to 25 for some reason. And stayed there. Uh, well, until I started in the Konica series, forty nine. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because at the time the um, the number pool of the main cars and the second Super Two, as it's now known, was one big pool. You couldn't have the same number across the Correct. two categories, so you couldn't. That's right. Be twenty five if mm. Um, mm. Uh, someone had it in the main game. So, That's right. Yeah, yeah just, it was one of those things I've always wanted to ask because I've seen it for for many years. How did the BP car care deal come to be? So you've gone from being the the privateer with the multicolored cars and wrote off a few along the way. Yep. How does the, the green machine come to be? Built a new VS VR or VS Commodore, which was the last Oscar we'd ever built and run. And it was painted just plain white and was leading a race down at there one night, one of the big races. Not sure what the result of that race was, but there was a guy by the name of John Fabian that was a guest of Bob Jane's and BP Group up up on the hill there in the corporate watching and said, I should put me uh, BP name on that car that's leading. So that guy, John Fabian, he rang me the next week here in Currumbarra and he says, I'm John Fabian from BP. We're interested in giving you some support, some sponsorship. And I've gone, yeah, righto. You're thinking it's a, a, someone's <laughs> pulling your leg, aren't you? Who's this? Is that you, Brownie? Is that you, Dirk? No, it was John Fabian <laughs> from BP. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how that started. Yeah. And, um, and it was like naming rights, full car, green and yeah. yellow and white car. Yeah. Was it as big as it looked? Oh, look, it was good sponsorship. Compared to what you were used to oh, having, yeah. I'd take it today. Yeah. <laughs> and so would all the Super 2 guys yeah. today. Yeah. Um, not to mention the prize money, mm. the appearance money, the money I used to get from Century Batteries. You know, like, yeah, Bob, I don't know how we used to do it, whether it was just money from the gate or, you know, we used to have all those series sponsors down the front guard. The contingencies, the contin yeah. yeah. If you ran that spot, or if in. you led at this point, you got yeah. A couple of bucks and and don't get me wrong, I don't want people to think that I've mate, been a multimillionaire out of this. What it, all it done was help pay for your racing. Mm. Mm. Did you make money out of it? No, but instead of selling your home and doing other things that people have done in supercar land, you could afford to do it, mm. and you could afford to do it half right. Yeah. Even at our level um, noons, we could, you know in the end, put tyres on instead of going over to the tyre dump and looking for the number sevens, which were Kim Jones or the number eights <laughs> of Brad Jones's. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. So was it a case of climb the mountain, tick the box in Oscar, we can't hang around here, or did the sponsor maybe say NASCAR or did you want to go NASCAR? No, I, I would probably would have preferred to stay Oscar and that's not because I've gone and done NASCAR. I was happy with Oscar. They were happy with it. They were getting good exposure. We were having a lot of fun. Um, but uh, Bob Jane and his manager, Steve Betts at the time, mm -hmm. said to me, you know, we'd like you to go into NASCAR. And Bob said, you know, 
I'll give you a help if you go into NASCAR because we know it's you know, a lot more expensive. Bob said, I'll help you with some tyres and some other support. And he said, we really want to promote NASCAR over the next few years. So we want to, you know, a bit like Super 2 and Super 3 now. You want you know, to show the progression the progression, And they, yeah. that's what they were looking to do. And they said, we'd like an Oscar champion now, you into NASCAR. And I said, oh, okay, well, we'll give it a crack, yeah. Um, that's that's why we moved to NASCAR. Mm. So <clears throat> we go shopping to America for a car first up? Yeah. I'd, I'd met John Nissen mm. who had been out and ran four or five events, the Christmas NASCAR deal. Um, I'd met him in Australia and I thought. Didn't he run Morgan Shepherd? He memory? did. Yeah, 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 he ran Morgan Shepherd and he ran, ran a fellow called Jerry Bowers. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't know any of the other NASCAR people. I thought, you know what, I'll just give him a call. And he said, yeah, goddamn, come over and have a look what we got. So went to America, had a look. He had a couple of NASCARs, bought one of them off him. A Thunderbird? A Thunderbird, yeah. Um, Contained a load of spares and whatever. And uh, I said to him, I'll buy it all, one condition, you come over and show us how to run it. So he came over for one complete year, like – and ran the car for us. That's the start of our NASCAR. Mm. How much faster, how much more power, how much more to hang on to going the other way around the Thunderdome? A lot from the arse of pants, but, <laughs> you know, the times weren't there. You know what mm. I mean? Like that, they run around doing 27s and we're running around doing 30s, you know, holding 308 mm. on radial tyres. <laughs> um, time-wise, not a lot, but shit. Yeah, different beast. Yeah. Eyes on stalks. Yeah. Yeah. 650 horsepower as opposed to 350 and slick tyres and, yeah, mm. big things going the wrong way, <laughs> sitting, on, sitting on the wrong bloody yeah. side. <laughs> first time with a left-hander? Yeah, first time yeah, with a left-hander. So there's a lot to learn. There's a lot you, to learn, yeah. When you make yeah. this jump. And it's yep. an interesting time when you, you went NASCAR. So you win the – because, of course, the seasons ran over a end of a calendar year, start of a calendar year for summer. So you won Oscar 95, 96, go into NASCAR for the next season. So that's 96, 7. Yep. So at this point, this is where the crucial element of the Thunderdome's history of NASCAR, Oscar, I reckon the dip happens Mm. because the Channel 7 television had gone. That's right. And it was SBS for a little while. SBS, yes. And then it ended up being Channel 10 highlights that was produced and given to Channel 10. Because, of course, they were picking up the rights to V8 supercars. They had Indy cars. They had 500cc bikes. They had World Rally. They had Super Tourers. So yeah. some more motor racing content. Yes, we'll have that. We'll put that on. a. So it was on like the next Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock, one-hour highlights. Or That's right. That must have been when it started to get harder because hmm. the TV exposure just wasn't the same as it had been before. Did you notice that at the time or did you only start to see that? later on in the next year or two after that? You know, Noons, we needed a lot of training um, back then as to how to handle sponsorship and what to expect or what to give people that were, you know, Mm. supporting you. And we didn't understand any of it, to be honest. Mm. Um, BP used to ring me and say, hey, we got some good exposure. I do remember them ringing about when Channel 7, as you referred to, were dropping and are we going to get the support and I didn't know how to answer that. I mm. said, I'm not sure, but hey, don't worry, I can still run the car. If we win, that money will pay for the tyres. And then I've realised that's not really where he's going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's after some brand awareness here. Yeah, yeah. And we need it on TV. And then I started to think, geez, I hope they don't pull out because we're in a lot of shitty. Bought <laughs> <laughs> a car and stuff. So yeah, I do remember and I and I remember Bob and his group of people throwing a meeting at um, the in Albert Park there. He owned the um, – with the baseball oh, – The stadium. Re- the stadium yeah, there, yeah, the Bob yeah. Jones where Stadium. Where the soccer plays. Where the soccer is, yeah. yes. He had a meeting there and, it, and um, yeah, uh, we learned a lot from this about sponsorship, what to – you know, what we needed to do to, to um, 
not just obtain sponsorship, but to, if we've got it, mm. how to service about, them. It's not just about a sticker on a car. No, it's not a sticker it's on a car. It's hospitality. It's drive days. Yes. It's merchandise. It's exactly all this <clears> other <throat> stuff, which is yes, you know, it's a, a whole other job of its own. Yes, and no one knew that, and no one pursued it really because there was other things on offer that were going to pay for it: mm. the prize money, the appearance money that he used to pay everyone. Mm. So, unlike it is today, mm. you know, like you, every penny. Because there's no prize money as such anymore, as you know, and um, and then we started to realise then how much support really meant to mm. teams. Yeah, so yeah, it was a worrying time because I remember when it went to SP, SBS and John Smiles was John it. Smiles was yeah. on it. Yeah, I think uh, right. Gricey did a bit of it, and a very Grice young that. Gerald McDonald. Oh popped yeah, up there. the great yeah. G Mac was on there as That's well. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking, geez, where's all this going? Because it was always Channel Seven, wasn't it? Yeah. The Mike Raymond show. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, we we obviously were lucky with that support of BP to get by. But I know there was other people then starting, as you said, it looked like it was a bit of a, mm. a decline. Yeah. Mm. What was your highlight in the NASCAR stuff? I remember you and Kim Jane had some cracker jewels and. Um, I mean, he was the he became sort of the Brad of NASCAR, didn't he? With he did. John Sydney, he was mm-hmm. winning more races than not, bunch of championships along the way. Yeah, y- you were kind of the what you were to Brad in Oscar, you were to Kim in NASCAR, keeping sure. him honest and mm. pinching some wins and fighting yep. and just yep. not quite getting those titles. But yep. I just remember so many races where you two just got stuck into it. Yeah, we had a really good race one night and ended up beating him, you know, by a couple of car lengths. Of, when I say one of the one hundred and twenty lappers. Which was kind um, of the proper regular. Later yes. in the piece, they went off to do sort of two Shorter. sprint races and a pit stop, and that's right. But that was kind of the staple dish of Thunderdome NASCAR. It was like a, you know, hundred and twenty lap mm. or, or whatever mm-hmm. it was. So it was a, yep. you know, it was a fair achievement to win one of those. Yeah, it was. We had a pretty handy car. I had a fellow called Tom Smith mm. build me a. He built, built a car here, didn't he? Yes, he did. For, yeah. Was that from scratch? From scratch. Yeah, which yeah. would that be the only Australian built NASCAR that wasn't, you know, a lot of guys yeah. reskinned them here and stuff like that. There yeah. was a, remember there's a Holden Calibra that Walter Giles had there. Yeah, Tommy did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that would have been the only one that was built from scratch here, surely, yes. just about. So, when NASCAR started here, uh, Tommy was with John Shepard mm. and they bought a lot of kits in from America, chassis and put bodies on them here. But it was the only car that was, we bought the material, the steel, not a chassis, not a, you know, a chassis from an existing team in America, and he built the whole thing mm. from the ground up, yes. In the workshop? At yeah. Kilo, yep. Yeah. Mm. Yep. And that was a really nice car. We always lacked a little bit in the engine department and we didn't have the funds to go and, um, you know, get a, current spec NASCAR engine to compete with Kim, but handling-wise, yeah, we had it over him. Mm. Yeah. Is that the most satisfying element of all that? I mean, winning an Oscar championship was great, but to then literally – we talked about how you've always, through your speedway and Oscar, you did your own thing. Like you took that to another level with the NASCAR because you built one from nothing and it was a race winner. It was a championship yep. contender. Mm. That's got to be when you look back on it, you know, what are we now, 20-odd years on, mm. that's got to be pretty satisfying because there's no yep. one in Australia who can say they did that. No, that's, that's true, but I can't, you know, I can't take the credit for building that car like we did with the Oscars. Mm. Um, it was Tommy Smith's design. Sure, I was driving it and I helped him with the car where I could building it and setting it up, but he's a bit of a guru, unknown guru if you like. Still parked out there at Keeler right to this, to this day, and should be bloody engineering a supercar team. Mm. Um, but yeah, it is it is quite special to say that we put this whole thing together. Um, you know, I went to America on my own, bought the material, went to Banjo's, a place that um, supplied all the Ford NASCAR teams with um, the body kits. It was a 97 Thunderbird at the time and I needed a body kit for Tommy to put on and I remember going there. Um, a guy, Al Baznight, his name was, that used to, from America, that was employed here by Bob Jane, he sent me to Banjo's with a contact to go and see Bill or Bob or whoever his <laughs> name was. and Billy Bob. Yeah. 
tell him who I was and tell him what we were doing. And I'll never forget this. He said, yeah, he said, God damn, I know who you are. What do you need? And I said, I oh, just wondering if I could get, say, like two boot lids and, you know, a couple of bonnets and, you know, and he's going, you're going to race this goddamn car or are you going to look at it? <laughs> and I'm thinking, what are, you, what are you on about? And he goes, well, over here, you know, like we send the teams, you know, like 50 bonnets and 50 <laughs> boot lids and that does them two rounds. <laughs> and I've gone, oh, whatever, mate, just send out whatever you think. So he sent this box of shit out. You know, it was enough to build five cars. <laughs> but, yeah, that's how it – and, I, you know, I bought literally everything over there, packed what I could into – my suitcase, and um, Bob had done some deal with the government. There was no duty on NASCAR parts. Oh, sweet. So Load up. Brought it all home, just dropped it all off at Tommy's workshop, and we put it together over a period of, you know, eight months or something, and, yeah, mm. off we went. Off you went. Won <laughs> yeah. some races. and Yeah, it's good. Late, so we're, we're sort of into the late 90s now, which is the waning hours of NASCAR in, in Australia. A lot of people forget that there was an NASCAR race that supported the Bathurst 1002 leader race. Oh, On yes. Saturday there was a 100K race and, and you ran in it and mm-hmm. Kim and Rodney Jane and Russell Ingle was Russell in the Ingle. Scotty Williams car that That's Kevin right. Schwantz had, yep. had driven and, and, and won the race given he was pretty handy around a road course. And NASCAR around Bathurst sounds scary to me but I've spoken to Jim and Brad who actually say that because remember there was a demo at Bathurst at the Touring Car around a few years before that. That's right. Jimmy actually said, well, it wasn't actually that scary. It was actually mm. pretty good. Yep. What's, what's your memory? <clears throat> yeah, I remember when Jim done that demo and he did a 16, mm. um, which I think Touring Cars at the time were doing 14s or 13s, and Jim's goes, yeah, it'll go as fast as them, no problem. And I thought, wow, you know, like they were fast down Conrad as they should be, mm. over 300. Um yeah, that event, it, they were very nice to drive. And I've driven some supercars around there. Um, really balanced. It surprised me how good it was. Mm. Brakes left a little bit, to be, you know, <laughs> on, to be desired. But, yeah, funny story there. I said to Jim, God, they just, you know, I was wondering what was going to happen going down Conrod, going up over the hump, pulling gears, you know. And I said, apparently we're doing over 300. And Jim says to me, yeah, we are. And I said, God, you know what, mate? I reckon you can go into the chase flat. And he goes, you can. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah, no problem. All right, I'm going to give this a go. So I went into the chase flat and never even looked like making that next left-hander straight through, well, part of a gravel trap at the time that was there, not like it is today, missed the wall there where the hotel is at the moment and come back out on the track with me front all ripped off it. And I said to Jim later, I said, um, there's no way you can go in there flat. And he goes, yes, you can. You just can't come out the other side. I thought, you bastard. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> he was right. He just didn't You just didn't think about the other bit at the end. No, I didn't. So, yeah, the old brakes didn't pull him up too good. But, yeah, that was good. Good event, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's one of those often forgetten or forgotten races in Bathurst yeah. history, the, mm. the NASCAR 100 as it was in, in 98. You got to go to Japan, yes. Twin Ring Motegi, I think that was the next yeah. year, 99. Yeah, that was the uh, last. A Winston West round, so it's kind of another NASCAR series in the States, but you and Kim and I think Neville Lance might have gone too. Yeah, that's right. How was that to, to go and have a ride? That was on the Oval at Motegi. Yeah, bloody awesome. I remember Bob ringing me up and he goes, Going to send down a 40-foot container, pack your car in it and everything you need. We're going to Japan. And, you oh, know, yeah. you know what Bob's like, you know, how he used to, to speak to you. And I'll go, what are you talking about, Bob? Something wrong with your hearing? We're going to Japan to race, pack the container, and we're going. And that was pretty much No mention comp- of who's paying, when are we going, what's happening. Talk, Just go. Talk to Steve Betts in a couple of weeks and he'll tell you what's going on with it or whatever, you know, and – or whoever was in charge of it at the time, and bloody awesome event. Like he flew us over there, shipped the cars over. Um, we had accommodation at the track. Got a beautiful hotel in the middle of the speedway there. Um, we had an office. We had a garage. All the tyres paid for. Um, all our food paid for, accommodation paid for. It was all paid by Honda and Coca-Cola. Mm. Because, of course, Honda right. own Motegi, yes. for those who yeah. don't know the twin mm. ring circuit. Yeah. 
Awesome event. Awesome event. We blew an engine, unfortunately, but um, Kim Kim ran, ran well. I think mm. he finished 12th or 13th or something, mm. yeah. And they had some a couple of um, East Coast cars there as well, like you said about the Winston West. Mm. There was a couple or at least drivers in there that were NASCAR mm. cup, cup drivers. Were, yeah, 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 cup drivers, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, we were fortunate enough to be a part of that as well. Like say so the NASCAR thing, you know, Motegi, the Bathurst gig, Grand Prix, Melbourne Grand Prix. Um, yeah, it was good, really good. And that is part one of my chat with Terry Wyhoon. Some great stories there from the days of the Calder Park Thunderdome. Uh, tune in, part two is available now. We talk about his time in V8 Supercar, Super 2, of course, the image racing team that he's run for many years now. And Terry also tackles the National Motor Racing Museum Top 10 Shootout. And we talk a bit of memorabilia thanks to the motorsport trader. Don't forget to jump on our website, bookshop.v8sleuth.com.au. We have a whole pile of great books, magazines, programs, DVDs, car models. There's some cool stuff there. If you've got some birthdays coming up, if you're trying to get in early, jump on our website and have a bit of a look through there as well. You can subscribe to our newsletter through the V8 Sleuth website so you don't miss a thing. Follow us on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and for the podcast so you don't miss an episode, subscribe so then you won't miss it. You'll get the notification every time a new episode goes live. Right, that's part one of Terry Wyhoon done. Listen to part two and all the back edition episodes of the V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Repco. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number 2, and oil, and find out.